Welcome to the Picky Girl Travels podcast, the show for Black women who want more out of life and to live it as they see fit. The message here is all about defying convention, embracing adventure, and regretting absolutely nothing. I'm your host, Adelia Borashade of the blog PickyGirlTravelsTheWorld.com. Um, I think y'all are going to enjoy, uh, my guest today, um, Latifah Fleming. When I think about somebody living life on their terms, like she is the person that I think of and I'm not going to say much more. I'm just going to let this interview speak for itself. This podcast is all about Black women living life on their terms. And I, you're like the poster child for that, I think. Um, oh, wow. Well, I mean, because that's um, something I was wondering. I couldn't find this online when I was doing my Googles. But was that always the case with you? Living life on my own terms? Yeah. No. No, um, it's so interesting. I'm, I'm part of this project where it's like things that I would, it's this uh, book um, and everyone's writing uh, their own passage. But the theme that runs through is what I would tell my younger self. So it's, I would tell my younger self not to wait so long and not to make, uh, I will say excuses. I'll say excuses, um, not to make excuses based off of other people's fears. Um, so everyone else has a fear of what things should, you know, I, well, if I do this, this won't happen. Or if I don't do this, this won't happen or this will happen. Live my life like that for a long time. And, um, you know, when I turned 40, uh, you know, I started to go, Oh, I don't think I care. I don't think I care. Okay. It's all good. I don't care. And, but that was like, I, I would go back and forth between, Oh wait, I really do care. So I can't do this and I can't do that. Then when I turned 50, Hmm. 50 is fabulous by the way. Um, and I was like, no, 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 never again. I need to really, truly not just live on my terms, but I have to figure out what those terms are. I've been living so long based on what other people need or what they feel I should do, or I really shouldn't do that because people might not approve. So I lived a lot of life on everyone's terms, but my own. So all of that to say at this point I am, and I'm learning to do it with, um, forgiveness because for so long I was like I, I can't believe I waited so long why would I do this why would I deny myself so I'm I'm living my own term living on my own terms right now with forgiveness and to me that's like this giant uh process too um the story you just told it of course sounds incredibly familiar to me because I that is literally what I almost say on the yeah. podcast weekly. Um, right. But I think it's important for the audience to hear it from somebody else so that they know like this is 
if they are at the place I was when I turned 40 or when you turn 40 and they're feeling like it's just me, I want them to know like, no, sis, it ain't just you. No, it is not. And, you know, it's interesting because as women in general, black women in particular, um, we, we tend to think we're, on, we're alone. Everything I'm going through is just what I'm going through. I shouldn't speak it out loud. People are going to look at you like you're crazy. When in actuality, the more we speak up, the more we realize we're not alone and the more it empowers us to keep moving forward. I feel. No, so, I'm in complete agreement with you on that. Yeah, that's how I, that's how I think it should be that we do. And platforms like yours, we all have these various platforms where we are giving um, voice and giving a stage and giving um, uh, an opportunity to amplify so many experiences so that we can all see a part of ourselves in one of them. And then we don't have to stay rooted in a bad way. Because <laughs> sometimes being rooted means you're not going anywhere. You're just going to stay right there in that mindset. So how I, I don't know if you can uh, elaborate on this. Like once you started to sort of question how you had been living and really own or identify that this isn't like, yeah, I've been doing the thing, but this isn't really what I want to do. How does your life, how did your life look different after that? Oh, wow. That's such a good question. Um, interesting. So the way my life looked, it was scarier. It was scarier to not have something definitive right there. Cause I had to, I had to get out of my comfort zone. I'm in my business from what I do. I, my specialty is getting people way out of their comfort zone. And with that, you find your voice getting out of your comfort zone. You find your passion and with that, you're able to get your purpose and boom, transformation. I'm able to help you get through all of that. Um, but then wait, I had to do that for myself. That was scary. Um, so it took a lot more. Uh, my life was now going inward. And we tend to not want to look inward a lot because it's so much easier to do things out there and try to control the world from out there. Um, but to look inward, you have to really do some self-reflection. That can be a little painful sometimes. Um, um, and empowering at the same time. Like you have to understand that in, in, in some of that pain that comes from your self-reflection, there's a lot of power that comes with that. You're able to shed some things. So my life was scarier. It was a little more open. Um, I learned about the power and vulnerability. So the life looks different in the way you carry yourself, in the plans that you make. So, and with that, that's two prongs. So it's in the plans that you make and in your response to your plans. So that part means if it happens, I'm so thrilled. If it doesn't happen, I'm still loving on myself. So that's what, that's what life now looks like. And I say it with such confidence and yes, I'm still scared. I'm still scared. Sorry. You can cuss. You can okay. cuss. I'm still... 
because girl, I'm scared as fuck. <laughs> you know, there's still this giant fear, but the difference is the fear doesn't, um, the fear doesn't keep you in one place and keep me in a corner. The fear propels me and the fear makes me open up a little bit more. Um, and it makes me want to go out there. I am scared. I'm scared. I'm scared. Okay. I'm going to do it anyway. And then there's this adrenaline that feeds you as you're moving forward as well. So that's how life looks. I live in fear in a good way. Like that fear is what propels me. It's not the fear where it's like, oh my God, everything's going to happen. I don't know what I'm going to do. No, it's, it's, it's not a fear of the unknown. It's like I'm stressed. There's healthy stress. There's like regular stressors. And then there's the stress that can cause different health issues. I'm dealing with the other one. The one that's like, hey, this is all a part of life. Moving forward, getting outside of your box, it's another form of life. And getting outside of that box has actually been pretty exciting. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned fear because I, episode very recently revisited that topic. And one mm-hmm. of the things that I learned to do instead of letting fear stop me was more of what is that fear going to cost me? Like if I give into the fear and I don't do the thing, what am I giving up? And I can't live with that. So I figure out how to work through the fear, you know? Absolutely. That's so good. Okay. (laughs) So I kind of just jumped into this interview and we didn't really talk about what it is that you do. And I think that that's like... (laughs) That's one of the greatest things. Like, Mm. I love every aspect of what you do. So can you talk about that for a little bit? Sure. Uh, So I run a company called um, Empower Fit Wellness. And I I, legally, I'm the president. That's what it says on the papers. And um, philosophically, I'm the chief motivating officer. So with this company, I... uh, lead and I put together and lead global yoga retreats. I say global yoga and culture retreats because we dig into culture wherever we go. We've um, been all over the world, been the Maldives, Morocco, um, South Africa, Tanzania, um, France, Cuba, Panama, um, Belize. So I've been all over the world, a few other places, but yeah, I've been all over the world with these retreats. Um, so there it, for quite a while, it fed my travel bug. So I have that travel bug. I also do, uh, coaching, but not just any old coaching. I I mentioned the three words earlier. It's passion, purpose, and transformation, because I always feel that once you understand your passion, you can figure your purpose. And that's where the transformation begins. And I, I, if you want to put a nutshell, I hope people reach their goals. Yay. But when we talk about goals, what exactly is that? Is it just, I sat there and wrote a bunch of things out on a piece of paper based on what, what are we, what are we basing that on? Um, so I get you to understand who you are as a person, and then you can really move yourself forward from there. So that's what I do. Um, and I do that through yes, the coaching uh, the retreats. I also teach yoga. I motivate through yoga. Um, I motivate and empower through yoga, through fitness, Pilates, I do some personal training. 
Um, and meditation. meditation is important. Oh my God, we have to quiet our minds down a lot. So, yeah. And I feel like dance has a place in there too. Dance is, so I use dance. So it's interesting. I would say the yoga dancing culture because everywhere we go, I make sure we're dancing. Even if it's just one class. When I did Cuba, we went there and took cl- a class. In Panama, we took classes with the indigenous um, folks there. Um, in uh, in Tanzania, actually, we're heading back to Tanzania. I have a group going in um, at the end of the month, actually, into July. Uh, and we'll be dancing there as well. Like Dance just opens you up. Dance gives you a true... Um, a true entryway into a culture, I believe. And I love dance as a release in general. So imagine when you go somewhere else, you're able to one, release whatever bullshit expectations or stereotypes you've had of a region. That's one. Until you're open, you're like, wow, they're powerful. It's always something powerful to be a part of another culture and to, to learn. And a, I didn't say it, but it's not in the, my uh, tagline, but food is also another thing. I love food, though. Um, so it's, it's the food. Like you can get, you get to know a culture through the food, through cooking the food, through eating the food, all those different things. That's what I, so that's what I do. I open people up to experiences, and I open them up to getting them to see themselves more as they travel the world. I think I've gotten more in touch with who I am by learning about other cultures. How long have you been doing all this? Uh, the retreats, this is my ninth year. Okay. It's my so, ninth year. Uh, I should never be trusted to do math in my head, but it's <laughs> sounding like this is something that started after you were 40. Absolutely. <laughs> Your math is good. <laughs> That's so funny. Yes, it was after I turned 40. Um, it was funny. It was a very interesting time for me because, oh, wait, this is my seventh or eighth year. Hold on. Yeah, seventh or eighth year. Um, it was after my father had passed. That was a really hard time for me. I, my first marriage was had ended. Um, my father got sick and he passed. So it was a lot going on. Um, have my son, there's so much going on. And I felt like if I were to, I wanted to travel more. My son grew up traveling because I was like, I grew up getting in a car with my family and that's where the travel bug went. Um, but with my son, I was like, okay, it's just the two of us. We're going to go travel, whether it's in a car, whether I get you on a cruise, whether I have money for a flight, we're going to do this. Um, also, with now me being on my own, you got to find some money somewhere because you still got to keep a roof over your head and things like that. So I worked more, but even then it was already put in my head. I don't want to work to the point where I hate what I do. I was in fitness. I'm so far it's, uh, 21 years in the wellness, fitness and wellness um, space, but I didn't want to hate what I do. And I loved it at the time, but I didn't. I didn't want it to shift. So I already knew something else had to happen. And I was hired by a company. The reason why I shifted um, saying how long it's been is because the first time it was with a company that hired me. And 
and did not like how the way it was run. The women who came, thank God, they had a great time. Um, but I got sick afterward. I didn't like the way it was run. I wound up losing a lot of money, things like that. So I was like, there's got to be a better way to do this. And I do want to do this. I want to travel. I want to motivate and uplift outside of the United States. How do I get women, especially black women and women of color? It's like, yeah. But how do I get us into these spaces and places? So I had a little bit more confidence because it was, I was in my forties, <laughs> a little bit more confidence and just started to go for it. It's a little hard because you, um, you know, you make your mistakes as you go along. That's life. Um, some of those mistakes cost me quite a bit of money. Um, but that's just how it goes sometimes in business. You, you make a couple of mistakes, you learn from them and your business grows. It sounds like, or maybe I'm drawing my own conclusion here. You tell me. Mm. Um, ha- do you think you would have gone down this path five, 10 years earlier? No, no, not even close. Um, As a mom and as a divorced mom, moms already carry guilt. I think that's just our, that's our lot in life. Um, We already carry a certain amount of guilt. So I was like, uh, and as a, I I was full-time mom, part-time worker. You know, I was a director of fitness somewhere, but I was able to have part-time hours. So my first job was still the kid. So it, I then put the divorce thing on top of that. The guilt is real. So I've got double guilt because I left his dad. Um, so I had the guilt from leaving and the guilt of being a mom anyway. So there was no way I felt I could be away from my son like that. Cause I was like, Oh, I'm already not in the house, even though I was right down the street pretty much. Cause I did not leave my child, but I would have never even thought that that was something I could do to be like, my business is to leave on a consistent basis. But by the time I started doing it, he was 15. He was a little older. At that age, they don't care about you. <laughs> they just don't. They just don't. It's just they're, they're growing into their own human being. So, um, and his father was more in his life. So it's like, you know what? It's fine. So I, that's when I started to get into it a little bit more. But even then, I was like, yeah, I I'm, I'm, can't do it can't do it. It's just too much. Why would I leave? And then the the first few times I did feel a little guilty. And I I keep using that word guilty because it was strong. The guilt was strong. And I put it on myself. I think as moms, we put it on ourselves anyway. Oh, absolutely. We do. Yeah, we, we do that. And I had that guilt. And that's one of the things that I feel kept me back. Um, I wish I would have made my mistakes earlier. Um, and then I could have recovered from them earlier, but of course we knew COVID was coming. So boom, there's that. But I think I still would have recovered earlier if I had started 
earlier. Um, but then, you know, what was I going to do? I still had a child who was in junior high at the time. And what was I going to, it, it was just a lot. Um, so every once in a while, I still ask my, myself that question. Why did I start this earlier? But that's where the, um, the forgiveness for yourself thing comes in. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, your journey is going to be what it's going to be. I, at this point in my life, I believe in not having any regrets. So while, (laughs) while there are things (laughs) that I could see how, if I had done this differently, things would have been easier. I, I, I am always hesitant to use the word regret. So Mm. like, you know, so I, I hear what you're saying, like, oh, I've, I have said so many times, if I could have been the woman I was at 40 when I was 20, girl, yeah, (laughs) things would have been. The world would not know what it, no, 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 absolutely not. And then Uh, at 50, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm unstoppable. And the only person that can stop me is me and God. That's that's it. The only two entities that can stop me, me and God, that's it. But could, could you imagine? Like when I was in corporate America, I didn't even know what would have happened if I had that thought process in my 20s. I don't even know what would have happened. I don't even know. And that's that's part of my motivation for having these conversations and putting Mm. this stuff out on my platform is because maybe there is somebody who's like 23, 24 and hears us say that. And, and, you know, their story (laughs) can be different because they will, you know, come into themselves a little earlier, hopefully, you know, you were talking about the guilt Mm. and girl, I didn't feel guilty for stuff that was my fault, stuff that was other people's fault. Like, Mm -hmm. and now I know like guilt doesn't really serve us. It doesn't really serve a purpose, but it is very hard when you are a woman, when you are a mom, to try and make choices to live the life you want without having that guilt there. And, right. and dealing with, you know, I, I, I wonder if you experience any of this as you're, you know, developing this, this notion of what you want to do and you're having to leave and we're folks saying like, you just oh. going to leave that boy. Like now mind oh. you, like you said, he was 15 at the time, but <laughs> cause I know I got some of that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I did. But I will tell you this, my dad and I were very close. Um, His death affected me greatly. Um, But I will tell you, you know, there are some things that let me know that he will always be with me. And we always, we don't really think about what that means. Oh, they'll always be with you. It was his words that stayed with me. And it was... If you are not happy as a person, as an individual, as a human, nothing else matters. So if you are happy and thriving as a human being, 
it's going to make you a phenomenal mother. It's going to make you a phenomenal human being. And with that, you will be okay if you go away. If you go and do X, Y, Z, you'll be okay. And it's so funny because I started this part of the, that part of the business after he passed, but it was moving into different positions that I felt might take me away from my son or might do this. Or, and he's like, uh, are you happy? Because if your son doesn't have a mother who can exhibit joy and happiness, what does it matter? What does it matter? If you just see somebody who's just working their ass off, but you're not joyful and you're not happy, you're setting a bad example. So I knew I had to set an example for my child, but I knew, I knew what I had to do. And it, it, now it's really sunk in, but I knew that I had to think of me first as well and understand that's not selfish at all. And it's my father's words that helped me. If you're not joyful, if you're not happy, nothing else matters. So you being a mom, it's great, but you're going through the motions and you're not being the best mother you can if you're not happy in that role. And if you are super happy in that role, which I absolutely was and am, even when my child makes me want to, <laughs> um, yeah, he's about to be 22, so that's what he does. Um, but if you... If you are like that, your child will understand. Your child will know that you're not leaving them or doing this. You're growing a business. And I was blessed enough that I was able to have my son come on a few things with me. I, he's traveled around um, with me. Um, but the last retreat I had before the world shut down, it was Belize. It was New Year's Eve into the next year. So it was 2019 into 2020. And... I said to him, you know, I've been doing this business and it's not just my business. I want to leave a legacy. So we had a talk because yes, there were, there was me, there was mommy saying here, I've got to go away. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And he was older and very smart. So it's not like he didn't understand, but it, it, it you, when you they get to a certain age, you're able to have different conversations with your kids. It, the understanding is there a little bit more. It's like, oh, starts to click. That's what you've been doing. You're building something. And this thing that brings you joy, you want to make sure it can be passed on to something else that brings you joy, and that's your child. So once you're able to have these conversations with them, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. I'm I'm sitting over here kind of flabbergasted and a little low-key jealous that <laughs> your dad said that to you mm. because um, I did not have anybody in my life to tell me that. So mm. I didn't really understand that, you know, like pursuing my own happiness was not being selfish. Right. And, and I think about like we just had Mother's Day last month. And one of it, that's always a, a hard time for me to be online. But, you know, we're not here. Same, same. And I see people talk about their moms in what I know they mean to be very glowing terms. But it's all about how 
she gave up this, how she went through, she survived this, she suffered through this. And I'm like, is that why we are supposed to love our moms? Is like that what makes a great mom? No. And, and that's it what we're conditioned to do. Yes. 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 And so I'm, I'm hearing what your dad told you in, and you were so fortunate to have that because Absolutely. everything yeah. in our society says, no, what makes you a great mom is sacrifice and sacrifice yourself almost to the point that there is nothing. Exactly. And that's what I was doing until. Look, full disclosure, my ex-husband and I were living in the same house and we were separated. I was upstairs. He was downstairs. I mean, we were not together, but it was like, oh, we shouldn't leave. We shouldn't. You got to stay together. Got to stay together. You know what? No. And what you're saying, like society tells us to do that and we feed into it. I fed into that to the point where I was looking bad. Not not just like, oh, you look terrible. Like you look it's all over your face and it's, and it's eating you up from the inside and it's a whole bunch of bullshit and this blah, blah, blah. And I sat with my dad and I was like, I feel, here's the word again, guilty. I should not leave. I should not do this, all this other stuff. And he that's when I got those words. I got the words, I heard them, but I will tell you now I embody them now. I don't know if I had the courage and to really, I had the courage to do things at a time. So you leave. That's the courage to do that. You take on more work so you can keep a roof over your head. There's the courage to do that. I still had to be a full-time mom though, because dad worked 85,000 hours a day. And I still had to make sure I was available to my child. Um, so there was still, I have to sacrifice. I have to do this. I'm guilty. I left a house. As far as my kids concerned, I'm the one who messed everything up. But in actuality, we were both not there. We were, neither one of us was in this relationship anymore. So, you know, you have to deal with all of those things, but it was like things. I would do one thing. Boom. Thank God I had the courage to do that. Boom, do one other thing. Now um, I am in a process that I feel will be a lifetime process. And it's a good one of embodying that. So it's not just, I will have the courage to do certain things. I want to have the courage to live life on a daily basis. So I have the courage to, I'm in the process of writing, um, I'm working on three uh, book projects at one time. Um, of course so, you are. Of course, <laughs> of course, you course are. I am. Um, so I'm working, but it's like, but there's a, there's a, a level of courage that comes with that because I ha- I shifted my business. I'm still doing retreats. I'll never stop doing retreats. I'll be doing them like Golden Girls. Like that's what I'll be doing. But I still am shifting. I'm not doing the classes like I used to. I'm not doing these different things like I used to. I'm back up in um, the tri-state area for the summer. And I'll be teaching one or two classes a week, but I'm not doing what I was doing before. I am not running myself ragged. And it takes a lot of courage to say no. Cause when I came up, people were like, Hey, what you going to do? You're going to do this. You're going to, no, no, I'm not. But I think that's a daily occurrence. 
I am living in my courage now and not just for, just for an event or an occurrence. I'm living in the courage. But I don't want, I don't know if this is what you're doing, but mm. I don't want, don't minimize the courage it took to do those things. Mm -hmm. You oh, know, no. definitely will not. No, okay. because those, the different things that I did were very hard to do. Um, and I always thought of who would be hurt if I made this decision. And then I had to realize a lot of times they're not, you're not hurting people. You're hurting yourself if you don't do this. Um, instead of saying yes to everybody, instead of saying, and then also I don't like saying no, if I don't have to. And I realize I've been saying no to myself for too long. So is that okay? That's not okay. Well, yeah, we, again, not okay. we yes. are conditioned to believe that, of course, you can say no to yourself, but you, it's a really bad thing when you say no to other people. Yeah, exactly. And when you're constantly saying yes to everyone, you are constantly saying no to yourself. Absolutely. And I now embody that. Um, and thank you for the reminder. I, I don't, I, I don't minimize and I've been through enough um, and I have very close friends that have been through it all with me. <laughs> and a couple of them are still like, girl, you still standing. You need to just like, yes, every day, every day, every, every day. day, give me some round of applause every day. Um, but my thing is, it's, it's funny because with that one, my, what I love the most is that even in the midst of me raising up, keeping the faith keeping my friendships, my uh, relationships together. Um, I was able to do that for other people in the process. So I can't let go of making sure I, I help other people. Just can't. So it's, it's nice that I'm able to do this and still help others. Um, I have a girlfriend who, she didn't write this quote, but she uses it all the time. And because I said to her, sometimes I just don't know if I have enough to, to give from my cup, like blah, blah, blah. And she was like, oh, no, 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 no. You do not give from your cup. You give from your saucer. So after all the stuff flows out of that cup, oh, that's what you have to give other people. You know what? <laughs> you know what? That, I can't say that I have ever looked at it that way because I mm -hmm. think I have always thought about it is, you because because the other saying is you you can't pour from an empty cup when re yeah. in reality, you shouldn't be pouring from the cup anyway. It, well, there you go. Yeah. There and you go. I had never really thought about that. Mm hmm. Let that cup runneth over. Then you can go out and help others. And I think that's why I'm able to help more people or help people. Hmm, back up. I'm able to help more people and I'm able to help people in a more powerful way. That's what I want to say. I have, I have now enough within me to be able to go out. And if I feel that I am overdoing it, I'm listening to my body more because my body physically responds to when I do things that are not good for me stomach aches, hives, I get hives on my, you know, different things that you'll get. My eczema, all of a sudden, just where did that come from? 
you're putting stressors in your body and this is not good. And you should not be saying yes to this. You should not be overdoing it. And because I'm living in forgiveness, self-forgiveness, it's like, it's, I have to do it immediately. It's okay that you just said no to this. It's not going to hurt you. And it's not going to hurt them either. They appreciate your honesty because if you were to say yes and not want to, you're not giving a hundred percent anyway. I think for you, you could be doing these things and not helping people, but I don't know that you would be, yeah, that's just it. So it's like, of course, it's okay for you to work in such a way that you help people because that is, that feeds your own happiness. Right. Yeah, it does. It does. And what you just said about listening to your body, I don't know. Mm. And and you, you would know better than I, as you are in the health space, health and wellness and that sort of thing. And this is kind of just something I think I discovered by dumb luck or whatever, but think about how, when something happens, like somebody has eczema outbreak or, you Mm. know, these things, our response and I believe this response comes from the society we live in is, okay, how can I medicate this? Even if it's not addressing the cause, I get rid of the symptoms, I can keep going, I can keep going. Whereas really and truly your body is telling you there's something you're doing or something that's going on that shouldn't be. And and Mm -hmm. we don't take time and listen to that. And it's not, it's not, it's not like a fault of ours. It's just, that's not, that's not the world we live in. The world we live in does not prioritize (laughs) listening to your body. Not even close, not even close. It does not. Um, It doesn't prioritize us listening to our bodies. So we don't know how to listen to our bodies. I think that's the best way to put it. We don't even know how. That's why I said like earlier when it's like, oh, this is how I do um, my coaching because we got to start understanding who we are. First and foremost, listening to your body is another thing that I preach. That's what I love about yoga. So it gets, you can actually connect and know that, okay, when I can tell you this for me, when I know something is not right or I, 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 something is stressing me, I get it right here. All of a sudden, I can't move my neck to the left or it just gets so tight and nothing I can do will move it. That's the first thing. But instead of pushing past, like you said, we'll medicate it. Okay. Well, I got this. Uh, I should just put something on it. Moving so my you can keep going. So I can keep going. Um, when in actuality it's okay. Why, why is that happening? If this is happening, what did I just say or do that made me get this tense? And the good thing is I'm able to get those um, signs. I'm able to catch those signs earlier so that they don't go from this to next thing. You know, I get eczema. It shows up on my elbows, which is crazy, but it shows up on my elbows. The next thing you know, I'm like, oh, gosh, oh, I knew I should have thought, thought about it when it was here. And then if I don't think about it here, or if I think, don't think about it when it's there, next thing you know, my stomach is not well. And I'm not doing great. And I'm a mess. (laughs) And I'm thankful those big uh, episodes don't happen like they used to. 
Um, but I still get this every once in a while, but now I'm able to say, wait, what is that? You know, it's very interesting. I'll, I, every day I deal with depression. It's what I've got. It, do, it, it doesn't have me. Um, but I say I deal with it and I survive with it because it doesn't have me. Um, you know, we say I suffer from, I don't, I don't suffer. I do my best every day to work towards it, uh, work towards just, if it's here, I work every day to be right above it. That's, yeah. and it's hard work, but I like the work that I'm doing on myself. Right. So, um, but when now I feel like I have that to deal with. Right. And if I have to deal with that, I have to take away my stressors as much as possible. And, you know, watch the food you eat, blah, 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 because I'm dealing with it on a natural basis every day along with the meditation. So you have to think about all the things that you have to deal with in life in general. If you can find a way, because the ways that I deal with my depression may not work for other people, but if you can find a way to deal with your, your daily stuff, when those extra things come about, because daily life can be stressful, period. Boom. Um, but they're regular stressors. If we can find ways to deal with that for ourselves, when those bigger ones come, we're able to um, we're able to deal with it in a way that still keeps us in our powerful selves. I feel, and that if we in that we are listening to our bodies. So we know how our body deals with the regular stress of life. We have to be so in tune that when something gigantic happens, we are still so in tune that we're like, oh, it's about to be on, hold on. I need to step back for a second. I need to meditate. I need to turn all the lights off. I need to have my green therapy. I need to do whatever it takes to give me these 10 or 15 minutes so I can get rid of whatever this is. And then we can deal with the problem. But I need to get myself calm so that we can find out what those, where, so that if I already have identified where that stressor is, we can deal with it and we can deal with it with a clearer mind and with um, an attachment to our body that is healthy. Figuring that out has been mm. revolutionary for me because I spent nearly 20 years being like in knots and not realizing mm. that that's what it was, that I was, my stress was manifesting physically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it wasn't, I don't think it started to click until post-divorce, but I still had to co-parent. Right. And co-parenting with a narcissist is that's, no fun. Oh, oh, you too? Oh, yes, oh. ma'am. No fun. But it's also very strong. Incredibly stressful. What? Incredibly. Yeah. Yeah. And I went and I got a massage. And every now and then, when I would go to get a massage, they would they would all say the same thing about how many knots there were. Like we can't handle all of this in this session. And I didn't. It didn't really click to me what that what that really meant and what that was really saying about what my body was doing. But I kid you not, it was like three, four days later, because at, at the gym I was at, 
I had like built up these points and I was like, okay, I'll just redeem it from a massage. It was like three, four days later after having a massage. And she was like, you must have a very stressful job. I was like, uh, I just got a massage. And she kind of looked wow. at me like, Ooh, girl. Uh, like, and so that's when I started kind of to key in on that. And then I noticed that when I had to interact with him, all of this yeah. would lock up to where I could not turn my neck. And then I was like, oh my gosh, that's what's been going on. And so like that, making that connection and making that realization kind of changed things incredibly for me. So that now, like you said, I can already start, oh no, I'm starting to feel a little twinge. Okay, what's going on in my life that I am not addressing and I'm internalizing? Right. That my body is like, girl, you need to pay attention to this. Yeah, it's about your response. Because let me tell you, with my ex-husband, my son's father, um, he's, go he's going to be who he, he is. Period. He's always, I will give him all the credit in the world. He has always been who he is. I always say my fault in the whole thing was when we got together at 25, I was like, oh, I don't like XYZ. I can change that. All my fault. Let me just tell you, because it's not up to me to change any human being in that sense. So for me to be like, I don't like these things. I'm going to change it. That's told when I tell you my fault, 10,000%. Um, it doesn't make him a horrible person. It makes me go, girl, what are you thinking? <laughs> That's that part. But the other thing is when you have someone and you know that's who they are, you have to start to change your responses. So that's already going to take that knot out your neck, take all the other little things that may show up in your body. You have to respond differently. You have to know, and you also have to be like, and I know for some people listening to me, like, how woo-woo can you get? But you also just have to love that person for who they are. That's God exactly bless. what you, know, you got to do. People, you gotta, people yeah, are you can, born who they are. And all we do is either improve upon it or make ourselves worse. So either way, we are who we are. And we, and you need to have that when it comes to dealing with other people. So if you know somebody is always getting on your ass nerve, first of all, do you have to deal with that person? That's one. If it's the father of your child, then right you do. And you're going to have to, you need to be an adult about it because you're raising child. You're raising a human being. So you better be an adult about it, no matter what. And sometimes adults can be a little, <laughs> that's how we get sometimes. Um, but you also have to be like, if I'm, that's first of all, that was the major way that I had to shift. I was like, I have to raise a human being with this child, this man. I can't be walking around here hating on him. I got to raise a child with him. I have to raise this, this child into a man with this man. You got to change up. I have to do my shift. He's not going to do his shift. I have to respond to him differently because and then I have to see things like, well, he does love his son. I mean, he he absolutely does. So you got, you, you know, unless he's like some, he's got his things that I like, but he loves his son. Like, you gotta, so that helped me to be like, I don't like how our relationship, but it just, mm -mm. but how can I deal with him differently? So I have to look at, he loves his son very much so. So if, you know, 
we had our issues regarding the parenting of our child in the beginning because I felt like a single mother who was married. Not a good look. Um, but then later on, when it's like, okay, now we have to co-parent, what do you do? I have to shift. I have to shift and not so much let him get away with stuff, but shift the way I deal with him when he's doing his stuff. I think that's the, that's the, the, the takeaway part. It's not about, oh, you, you let him get away with, he's not, it's about, because I say this all the time, only worry about the things you can control and all you can, you can't control how he's going to act. All you can control is how you respond to that. And he's, he's got his own stuff because he's a human being. He's going to have his own stuff. I got mine. Yeah, he is. And in the midst of all of our stuff, we got this kid. And then we have to still deal with life in general. Now you mentioned meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, and you are a fan. This is part. Yeah. Of, this is part meditation of meditation. Saved many other people's lives when okay. it came to me. Girl. So, <laughs> so um, I am. This is something I don't. I don't know a lot about, and I. The few times I have tried, I felt like I'm not very good at this. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. like, what what would you say to us to? those other folks who are like me, they're like, I keep hearing how beneficial this is supposed to be, but I don't get it. Okay. Start small. It's the first thing. Um, Second thing. Start first thing. You don't have to be some, I'm putting in quotes, guru sitting on the top of a mountain in order to meditate. Those who are able to meditate for days, weeks, months at a time, that's not you. And that's okay. They're generally monks who have dedicated their lives to doing this. And until you decide that's what you want to do, please don't compare yourself to them. So that'll be my first thing. Second thing, start small. When I say start small, I mean like a minute. I always say a minute because we can do anything for one minute. It's And three, it starts with stillness. I have everyone start small. Set your alarm, uh, your timer for one minute and just be still. Turn off the TV, turn off your phone, except for unless you need it for your timer, uh, or turn off the uh, notifications. Do all of that. Just one minute. Just be still. Close your eyes. Unless, because for some people, closing their eyes is trauma. So, If you close your eyes and you automatically get anxious, just keep them slightly open. Look at, you know, like you just soft gaze, like you're looking down at something and just breathe. That's it. That's your one minute. That's where it starts. It starts there. That's not a full meditation, but it starts there. Then you go to two minutes. Once you get to, I feel, three minutes, that's when it's a good time to really start focusing on the breath. So I just want you to breathe. One minute, just breathe. Just be still and breathe. And there's a quietness that comes to mind in just that one minute. And for a lot of people, after just a few days, they're like, wait, I need more than a minute. Great. Bump it up to two minutes. See what happens. Breathe. Just be still. Don't worry about those thoughts that are going through your mind. Don't worry about them. 
those thoughts are part of who you are. Those thoughts are you. No worries. Just sit there and breathe. And that's, and I won't say relax because that tenses me up. Relax. I can't. So just breathe. <laughs> just be still and breathe. And it's only two minutes now. You've got up to two minutes. Then let's get up to that third minute. Once you've gotten there, stay focused on the breath. Notice how the body feels when you inhale. Notice how it feels when you exhale. Do you have any tension when you inhale? Sometimes we inhale with our shoulders. You know, notice those things about yourself. But breathe and focus on the breath. It gets to a point when then there's the four minutes and the five minutes. And next thing you know, you want to close your eyes. You want to be still. The one thing you must do is sit up as tall as possible. Or some people like to lie down. So you can lie down. You can sit up nice and tall. Just be relaxed in your body. Starts with one minute. Moves to two to three and onward. But start small. And... Be patient with yourself. And it's easier to gauge. Um, it's easier to be patient with yourself when you only have to be one minute of it. So build from there and be okay with being still. It's uncomfortable. In the beginning, uh, maybe I'm speaking for myself. Hold on. In the no, beginning, for me, I think you're right. I think okay. you're right. Um, it's very uncomfortable in the beginning to be still. I'm. I, Am I a busybody? Maybe. I could be a busybody. So I'm like, I always got things you gotta do. I can't be sitting still on this table like this. You can be still. Give yourself time. Well, no, when you said that, I thought about there is so because this is something I struggle with, is this when I have an empty moment, feeling the need to fill it with something. Mm. And so when you talk about like when people suggest like, oh, have you tried meditating? And you're thinking like, I'm just going to sit there and do nothing. I've got all this stuff to do and I'm mm -hmm. just going to sit here and do nothing. So again, I think we've been programmed to be yeah. resistant to that and to mm -hmm. feel like not filling that space. That's, that's a ding against us. Because you letting stuff slide. You yeah, but also thinking that sitting still is doing nothing. True. It, sitting still is, is, is you um, still moving towards something, even if you're moving towards your peace, moving towards yes. your joy. But you are doing in something In a capitalist very society, those are not things that have exactly. monetary values. Therefore, they are exactly. not valuable uses of your time. Exactly. But in actuality, the more you are able to get focused, the more productive you will be later. Exactly. So, you know, we're not saying those things because it's not immediate. And that is something, especially in the past six months, since I have, you know, taken my little black sit to Mexico, um, I had to reshift everything. everything. And had to be okay with being still for a little bit. And it made me quite anxious in the beginning. It was very hard in the beginning, quite anxious. I actually am, I actually did a video about it, um, how, which is uh, posting in a couple of days, but how anxious I was in the beginning. 
so anxious. Now you've got me intrigued. (laughs) Why? Why were you so so anxious? anxious? Um, Because I wasn't working regularly like I was. Um, I'm doing something that a lot of people thought I was a little baddie for. (laughs) You going where, girl? You doing what? You ain't never tell me you're moving. <laughs> you know, like that kind of stuff. Because um, I did hold some things close to the vest, though, instead of just telling the world what I'm thinking. And no, and sometimes that's for the best. It was definitely for the best. Um, but I, it, it made me nervous to not be who I was. It made me nervous to not have a very hectic life because after a while even if in quarantine i was able to thank god switch my clients all my clients over to um virtual um i also pledged during that time so i had all these things going on i pledged i i I wrote a book i had all this stuff going on i got the girl i got divorced from a second husband um so there's all this stuff going on during uh quarantine and it was just hectic. And then once I pledged and I got went over, I still had things to do with the sorority now. And I still got on work. And, 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 and. And then you move. It's not there anymore. What am I going to do? I didn't have any friends. I didn't move with friends. Did not move with friends. So where's the social life? I don't social life. I'm running around. Huh? What am I doing? Huh? You know, that might. So now you have to. I, it made me anxious and it made me uncomfortable because now I really have to dig deep. So who the hell is Latifah? You better know who she is because you're about to live with her. Okay. And you got to figure out who's this person that you wake up in bed with. Not somebody next to you. It's you. So you have to figure out who you're waking up to every single day, who you're walking with, who you're spending every second breathing with. That's you. And the anxiety came from that thought. Like, well, well, who the hell am I? I thought I was somebody. I've grown and I have this strength and I have this empowerment and I've done all these things, but now it's a whole new world. And now I really have to live with me. It's me. And it's a different world and I'm not working and my money is not the same. And there's all these things. And now what am I going to do? I got to build myself back up. I'm 50 fucking years old and I got to build myself back up. Am I crazy? Maybe I shouldn't have done this. And you, cause you know, you can talk yourself out of anything. Oh, yeah. But here's the thing. If you can talk yourself out of anything, you can damn sure talk yourself into anything. So I had to talk myself into loving on me a little bit more. I had to talk myself into being okay with being a planner, okay with being a writer again. Because writing, yeah, but I wrote lots of poetry in high school and in college and a little bit after. It's like, it's okay to go back to writing again. You're being productive. You're still doing stuff. I have a team that works behind me and we're working on books and working on different things and working on programs and courses. So it's okay to build those things. They don't bring money immediately. That's not an immediate money thing. It's just not. But are you okay with that? 
Like, what am I doing to make money in the moment? Well, you were able to have a big chunk and you were able to do certain things. And now you can sit back for a moment. I've been working since I was, I mean, technically, my, my father started his law firm in our apartment. So I worked for the law firm. So that's when I was like 11. So I cleaned the bathroom. I made the copies. We were real high class, real high. <laughs> but I've been working since then. When I wanted Benetton, I know I'm dating myself, but when I wanted Benetton and Bosco jeans and all that stuff, you know what mom told me? Then you need to go get Benetton and Bosco jean money because I'm going to Caldor to get your, your clothes. I don't want to go to Caldor. So I was, I've been working for what I want since then. My parents ingrained that in me. You want this, you work hard for it. So you work, you work, you work, you work, you work. And then I moved to Mexico and it's like, oh, I'm not working. Or so I thought. That's where I was in the beginning. I'm not working. Um, I'm supposed to work hard for what I want. So if I want this life now, I'm supposed to be doing something every single day. I'm supposed to be working really hard every day. Why aren't I stressed out the way I was? That stressed me out. That stressed me out. I'm so ridiculous. I'm, I'm not stressed out the way I was. There's the anxiety again. You know, why am I not? Why is so? Wait, girl, stop it. <laughs> I'm so glad you shared that, though, because I think a lot of people, when they make a big change in their life like that, find themselves in a similar place. And I don't think people talk about it. Um, so I'm, I'm so glad you, you talked about that because who you, and you, you said something about like, I thought I knew who I was, but, and maybe you knew who you were before. Right. But as you said earlier, it's a process and it's an ongoing thing. And you were this person before, but now you were turning into somebody new and you had to figure out who that was and that's okay. And that may look a little chaotic. That may look a little ugly in the beginning. It doesn't mean like you were having this anxiety and all of that. It didn't mean that the, cho the choice to move to Mexico was wrong or bad. Right. It just was, okay, this is, we're evolving and coming into something new and that's okay. Absolutely. That's the thing. Just that it's okay. So you have to constantly tell yourself that it's okay. You didn't yeah. do anything wrong. And I had a few friends. Oh God, I love them so much, but I had a few friends who were like, listen, if it works great, if it doesn't great, you did something most people won't even try to do. You tried it. And whatever happens, damn, you know, damn, that was amazing. And I still am like, I, I, I gave myself nine months. So September will be nine months. I gave myself nine months to really like right now, there's the, the baby is uh, growing. <laughs> September is when I decide, hmm, what am I going to do next? And be okay with whatever that is and be okay. That's the part to be okay. I'm still going to be in Mexico though, whether it's three months, six months, 12 months, whatever. I loved it there. And there's so many places to go within the country that I still have yet to get to. Um, so there's just so much, but I'm just going to be okay with making these decisions. I sold, sold and gave away 
90% of my possessions. I'm rolling light right now. <laughs> it's so light. That's the other thing. I but love it's like, it. oh man, oh my gosh, all the that's another thing. I don't have stuff. What am I gonna do now? I don't have stuff. I don't have to take care of all this stuff. It's, it's okay. It's a nice, it's a nice life. Um I mean, you have to support yourself. I haven't found that sugar sugar daddy yet. Or no, no, but um, you still gotta support yourself. You still have to do things that feed your joy, you know, that make your soul sing. So I'm still doing all those things, making sure that happens. Um yeah, but not being afraid of um the decisions that you make, being okay with it because you've been able to sit with yourself for a minute, being okay with the fear and being scared. It's all good. And then I think we just kind of made, we, we, that's a full circle moment right there. We kind of came yeah. back <laughs> to where we started. Yeah. The fear. <laughs> yeah, we did. Um, yeah. I am so grateful for you accepting my invitation to come on here and share. Thank you. I, I, I really appreciate that. And I think somebody's going to get I think a lot of somebodies are going to get something out of this. Now mm-hmm. you mentioned you. Uh, your company and your retreats and what you do. Somebody listening to this and they want to, they want to support you. They want to follow your journey. They want to travel with you. How do, how do they go about doing that? Okay. Well, first thing um, you can follow me on Instagram at empower fit chick, C H I C K. Um, so empower fit chick, uh, you can go onto my website, empowerfitwellness.com. Uh, and on my website, you get everything. I have a program called soul unchained. Um, I'll have yoga teacher trainings. I just got registered as a yoga school. So there will be yoga teacher trainings coming because I believe, uh, folks of color are not represented in this space and in this field. And I, I want to be part of making that change um the retreats i have coming up we actually just have one spot it's crazy i have one spot for ghana which is new year's eve uh so for new year's eve you can go hang out with me in ghana uh i am going to tanzania in a couple of weeks but uh we also have uh so you can all these things will be on instagram as well and on my website and for soul Chains, that's the project that's the 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 program that I have, and the program has it's um, the experience, it's the course, it's um, the individual experience, and the retreats. So that's what I was that's what I've been working on all this time in Mexico, working on that. So that is now that it's completed, I'm just starting to put it out into the world. I've already started the individual Soul Unchained experience, and that's when people come to come to me in Mexico and we do um, we go to Holbosch, which is just like amazing and beautiful and, and stunning. And so we go sit on the beaches and we do those things, all that good stuff. But we do um, it's one-on-one coaching and you get immersed in your own personal experience catered to you. So I'm able to give that because we said oh, you know, earlier, you were like, can you not do that? Huh? So <laughs> I'm able to, I'm able to now be able to pour from my saucer 
to give this soul unchained experience. So these are all the things that you can find on my website as well. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. And thank you so much because I have been um, inspired by you very much. So, so it's, it's inspiring. And I, when you reached out to me, I was like, Oh, I'm so freaking honored. Thank you so much. I would love to do this. So yeah. And thank you. You, you, you are so, so welcome. So, so welcome. See, I told y'all you would enjoy Latifah. Okay. So I think, <laughs> um, I think that conversation was awesome, but I just want to like remind us of some of the, the, the key points, the big takeaways that she mentioned, you know, having guilt, especially mom guilt is normal. We, and, and it doesn't serve us, but it's a normal thing for us to feel guilty. Choosing yourself is not selfish. I have been telling you that, see, and Latifa and I did not even discuss that beforehand. See, so I'm, I'm telling you, choose, choose yourself. You're not being selfish. Um, I loved what she had to say about fear, about like embracing the fear and forgiving yourself and giving yourself grace. My favorite thing, and I'm going to be using this moving forward, is that when you help other people, you pour from your overflow. You pour from your salsa. You don't pour from your cup. Um, I want to hear from you in the comments. If you're watching this on YouTube, if you are listening this, listening to this podcast, shoot me a DM leave me a voicemail. I want to hear from y'all. I want to hear what you, what this episode uh, got you to think about. What was your takeaway? Thank you guys so much for supporting the podcast, for sharing it, for liking, for subscribing on YouTube. We're closing in on 10,000 subscribers. So if you're watching this on YouTube and you haven't subscribed, please do so. If you want to support the podcast uh, financially, there are links below for you to buy me a hot chocolate or become a patron. Um, thank you guys again. And uh, until next time.